And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Today's Pentecost Sunday, and we want to focus on how God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. That's actually found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You know, 800 years before Jesus came to this earth, Joel gave a prophecy. And in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, follow along with me. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on, what does it say? All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Verse 32, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Do we celebrate Pentecost? Why do we emphasize the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's all about people. People matter to God. It's all about souls. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in John's gospel, uh, John chapter 14, verses 15 and following, Jesus had a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus knew that in just a few hours he was going to be arrested, he was going to be falsely accused and crucified, put to death. If you knew you just had a few hours left to talk to your loved ones, don't you think you would make those times count? Wouldn't you say things that were of importance? Well, Jesus thought this was very important. So he says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That word another in the Greek is alos, and it means another of the same kind. So what Jesus is saying here, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's going to give you one besides me, in addition to me, but one just like me, and he's going to do in my absence what I would do if I were present with you. When I was a young Christian, I used to say, oh, Jesus, I wish I could have lived with you in the first century. I wish I could have been one of your disciples. I wish I could. Have you ever thought that? I would like to see you multiply loaves and fishes. I'd like to see you do miracles. I, I wish I had that opportunity. And then one day I was reading this verse and Jesus said, I pray, I'll pray the Father who will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And when he says, I'm going to give you another, he says, hey, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I cannot send the helper. I cannot send the Holy Spirit. He says, when I'm on this earth in my human body, I can only be at one place at one time ministering to one person at a time. But he says, when I in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent and the Holy Spirit can be with you in Tallahassee and the Holy Spirit can be with people around the world and the Holy Spirit can be everywhere and he is a helper and he does for you and me what Jesus would do if Jesus was walking with us in the flesh. The problem is that many times we, we kind of view the Holy Spirit as an it. As an ethereal mist, as something that comes and goes. Dear ones, he says, I'm with you, but I'm going to live in you. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. The Holy Spirit of God is someone that you can have fellowship with. Paul wrote, to, he ended the book of 2 Corinthians. He ends that book by saying, now may the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
A number of years ago, a, a book was written called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Dr. Paul Young Cho, he's got a chair up on his platform that nobody sits in. He says that's reserved for the Holy Spirit. He says, before he preaches, he says, come on, Holy Spirit, let's preach. And after he's finished with the, with the service, he goes over and says, Holy Spirit, you did a good job today. Why? Because he's having fellowship with the Spirit of the living God. Jesus says, I'm going to send another. In fact, he said over in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49, this was just before he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He says two things, wait in the city of Jerusalem and expect power. Everybody say, wait, wait. Expect, power. expect power. And then a companion chapter for Luke 24 is Acts chapter 1 because it's also talking about what happened just before Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Tallahassee, the United States, Africa, Europe, Central, South America, Canada, the islands of the world, Asia, every place you can think of, you're to be witnesses unto the end of the earth. Now there are two operative words I want to draw your attention to in verse 8. The first one is power, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. Say it again, power. power. And then he says, you shall be witnesses to me. Everybody say witness. witness. Now for years, for years, I used to read that scripture and I misunderstood it. And here's what I misunderstood. I thought that when we receive power, because the Greek word for power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. I thought, well, when we receive this explosive Holy Ghost power, then he's going to supernaturally charge me with boldness so that I will witness and not be nervous. I was partially right, but I was partially wrong. He doesn't say, but you're going to receive power in your emotions. He doesn't say, but you're going to receive power in your mind. He says, you're going to receive power. Where's that spot power? It's where the Lord Jesus lives inside you. It's in your born again created spirit. It's in that part of you that's like Jesus. We receive power. And, and the problem I had is I would start to share my faith. I would witness to other people, but I'd find myself scared. I'd find myself nervous. I'd find myself, my heart really beating hard, especially if I was talking to a stranger. Because I'm thinking, what if they reject what I have to say? What if they reject me? What if they don't like what I'm doing? What if they tell me off? What if they get mad? Well, you know what? I've had people get mad. And that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says, sometimes you're watering the ground and sometimes you're, uh, sometimes you're planting seed in the ground and sometimes you're watering the ground and sometimes you're bringing forth the, the harvest. And I guarantee you, every time you and I get to pray with somebody to receive Christ, it's because somebody else has planted a seed and somebody else has been watering that seed and somebody else has been praying for that person. Remember one time I was uh, talking to a, a, a gentleman in Chicago when we were living up there, and he was a Jewish businessman. He owned a pool hall, owned several other businesses, and he had a problem in his life, and somebody told him that he needed to come see me, so he came to see me. And I talked to him. He talked about his problems. I listened to him for a little bit. 
But what I knew what he needed, he needed the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. And so I began to share the gospel with him. Now, I was nervous. I'm thinking, this guy's probably going to curse me out and take off. But I thought, I'm going to do it anyway. I said, my friend, let me ask you, if you died tonight, do you know that you would wake up in heaven? And he looked at me and says, well, everybody goes to heaven. We all know that. I said, well, the Bible says there's a broad way and there's a narrow way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is not a, a, a way among other ways. He is the way. And, and their salvation is found in no, uh, no other except the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He says, well, I'm not sure I believe that. After all, I'm a pretty good person. I said, well, the problem is that Jesus doesn't grade on the curve. He doesn't compare you with other people. You are probably a pretty good person compared to other businessmen you know or to people that live on your block. You may be the best person in the world, but Jesus was sinless. He was spotless, and God compares us with Jesus. And the only way that you and I can become sinless and spotless is to, is to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our life and to forgive us of our sins. He says, I'm not so sure I believe that. I said, well, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only sinless person was the Lord Jesus Christ, but I have sinned and you have sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. Even when we tried to do the best, he just listened to me. I proceeded down the Romans road of salvation. I said, not only have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the Bible says it's appointed man to once to die and after that, the judgment. But the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wouldn't you like to call on the name of the Lord today? Oh, I'm not so sure I want to do this. And I could see this struggle going on inside him. See, dear ones, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to draw people to Jesus. Okay, He's got a lot of ministries for the believer. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He's our, he, he leads us. He guides us. He, he, the Holy Spirit just does so many things for believers. But for non-believers, he's constantly wooing. He's constantly drawing people to Christ. And you can't look at a person and tell whether or not the Holy Spirit is drawing them or not. Now, some people harden their hearts altogether. No question about it. But I'm convinced that every person, for every person, there's hope because the Holy Spirit is constantly drawing. And I just began to pray under my breath, Holy Spirit, I know you're drawing this man to you right now. And we kept going. It, was, it turned out to be about a, an hour long meeting. But at the end, he just burst out in tears uncontrollably. He says, I can't believe I'm crying. I'm so ashamed of myself. I said, my friend, something's making you cry. Something's at work in your life. He says, I know. He says, when, you, when you're talking, he says, he says your words are, 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 are kind of like going inside me and it's cutting on the inside. Well, dear ones, it's not Terrell Todd. That's the power that a believer receives, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, this word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God wants to use you. See, life and death are in the power of our tongue. And those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. And God wants to anoint your words. That's the reason you want to pray like David did and said, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You're my strength and you're my redeemer. Dear ones, those words, the Holy Ghost will use your words. I don't know why God doesn't use the angels to, to bring in the harvest. I don't know why he doesn't appoint other angelic beings, the four living creatures and the elders that we read about in Revelation. But he hasn't done that. He uses people. God has restricted himself to use people to share the gospel. And Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Chapter two of Acts verse one, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place. The day of Pentecost is about the first fruits. It's, it, it was a day, it was a celebration, a celebration when all of Israel, they required all the men to go to Jerusalem to celebrate because the, the fruit was starting to come out of the ground. The, the, the crops were beginning to yield their produce. It was a time of great, great celebration. And they gathered to give God thanks for the produce. It's important that we give a life of thanks. I know that our world's been turned upside down in the last 12 weeks. I know that life has gotten very difficult. But dear ones, we need to find things to be grateful for. Man, you still got life and breath in your body. You can still hear and see. You can still walk. You can still think. You can still, you can still digest food. You know, we just need to find things to give thanks for. Glory to God. So that's what they're doing. They're coming to, 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 to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost to give God thanks. So the day of Pentecost had fully come. Verse 2. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Say it again. Suddenly. See, that's the way God moves. It's like you're praying for a miracle. And one minute you don't have it. And boom, suddenly. You got it over here. You're, 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 you're praying for months and maybe even years. Oh God, oh God, I'm believing you. Lord, Help me, I believe, help my unbelief. Oh God, help me. And you don't have it here. And boom, suddenly God answers that prayer. You're sick and you're distressed and, 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 and you're not feeling good. And boom, God heals you. And suddenly, there's a suddenly. God's got some suddenlies for you. He's got, I'm telling you, he's got suddenlies for you. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you, I want, just imagine the sound that from heaven that fills the whole house. I mean, that had to be loud. I've had people tell me before, well, pastor, I, I would attend your church, but you guys are so noisy. You guys are so loud. You're so exuberant with your worship. Well, dear ones, I just want to suggest to you that this book, this Bible is a noisy book. Right. Proverbs 8 says that wisdom cries out. When somebody cries out, they're not whispering. Wisdom cries out. Hallelujah. Psalms 100 says you and I come into his, his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. We come into his courts with what? Praise. Well, I'm just going to praise the Lord for a little bit right here now. No. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Now, come on. I had to wake up the 830 group. Don't, don't make me wake you up. Let's just try it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Say it better than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That'll make you feel good. Hallelujah. Makes you feel good to give glory to God. Psalms 150 says, praise the Lord with cymbals, with loud clanging cymbals. In other words, make some noise. Isaiah 42 says that God shouts aloud. Ezekiel 43 says God's voice is like the sound of many waters. God's voice is like the sound of many waters. I've stood in Niagara Falls. I've stood on the American side and the Canadian side three or four times. And I've always been amazed at how loud that roar is, is that river is making its way over the falls. In fact, when you try to hold a conversation, it's hard to do because it's so loud. Listen to this. God's voice is like the sound of many waters. In Hebrews chapter 5, Jesus prayed loudly with groans and cries and tears. That's what was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't a quiet little prayer time. Oh, lay me down to sleep. Hallelujah. Bless you. Amen. 
amen. No, he was crying vehemently. He was crying out to God. He was making some noise. Romans chapter 8 says this, the whole creation groans and travails until now. Don't be afraid if we get a little loud. Then there appeared to them, verse 3, then there appeared in the divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. This was an outward sign of an inward reality, the fire of God's love. The fire of God's love represents his power and his passion and his purity. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and me and bring the power and the passion and the purity of God. You you, you see, Jesus told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as there is in heaven. There's purity in heaven, but God wants purity in you and me. And it's only found by the Lord Jesus Christ. There's holiness in heaven, but God wants holiness in you and me. There's justice in heaven. But God wants justice to roll like a mighty river on this earth. And it starts with you and me. There's power in heaven, but God wants power on this earth. And that power is not apart from people, but it's in the lives of redeemed folks who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you use me? God wants to use you. Amen. Good preaching, Terrell. Good preaching. Hallelujah. Verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, see, as the Holy Spirit filled them, it involved speaking in a brand new language, a brand new tongue. When I was 17 years of age, it's at a service conducted by David Wilkerson. It was at First Baptist Church here in Tallahassee, corner of college in Duval. And we were worshiping Jesus, just, just loving on Jesus. And David Wilkerson was walking around. I didn't even notice it. He was walking around. He was laying his hands on the heads of various people. And he laid his hands on me, and I began to speak in something. I didn't know really what it was. I thought it was gibberish. In fact, it, it alarmed me at first. I thought, what's going on with my tongue? It didn't sound like tongues. It didn't sound like any language I'd ever heard. And I almost began analyzing it and talking myself out of it. But then I noticed that down in my belly, down in my heart, Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And I noticed that it just felt real good down here on the inside. And I just kept on praying. I still didn't realize it was speaking in other tongues. I didn't know what it was. All I know is that it was making me love Jesus more. And I'm going to tell you, from that day forward, it was like the Holy Ghost came and lived inside me. And he started to live in the life of Jesus inside me. Oh, I still had a will. I still had to determine whether or not I was going to read the Bible and go to church and pray and do the right things. See, God always starts. We, we preachers like people to move in faith. I want everybody to move in faith. But I'm going to tell you, faith always starts with obedience to God's word. And we have a will to play, but if we'll submit our will to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will come in and start working inside you and start doing marvelous things that you've never dreamed about. Hallelujah. Go over to verse 12. Verse 12, because there are three responses that people have in this verse. 
in verse 13, there are three responses to these 120 people speaking in other tongues. So they were all, number one, they were amazed. That's the first response. They thought, this is splendid, majestic, grand, beautiful, excellent. Look at the second response. And they, some were perplexed. They were confused. They were saying, what is this? What does it mean? Look at the third response, verse 13. Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Others mocking, others ridiculed and made fun of them. Dear ones, I've had people ridicule me. I've had people make fun of me and my relationship with God. But you know what? A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. And Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be witnesses. He didn't say you'll be theologians. He didn't say power is going to come on you and you're all going to be theologians or you're all going to be apologists or you're all going to be, be, be PhDs or rocket scientists. That's not what he said. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be a witness. A witness is simply telling what you know and what you've experienced. You don't have to answer every question. You don't have to know the answer. What you need to know is that you serve a God who loves you, who gave his life for you, who sent his spirit to fill you, who is coming back again for you one day, and your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, and he gives life to your mortal bodies, and he strengthens you. Glory to God. So some mocked, they said they're full of new wine. Verse 14, but Peter... But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice, and he said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. He says they may appear to be drunk. They may have lost all their inhibitions, but they're not drunk with wine. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. How many know the Holy Ghost will never leave you with a hangover? The Holy Ghost will leave you feeling good. Hallelujah. And this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 16. In other words, he says, let me give you the biblical basis for this. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He's talking about us. He's talking, he says, in the last days. How many of you believe we live in the last days? Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, in the last days, perilous times will come. In the last days, there will be pandemics. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be wars and there'll be rumors of wars. We're living in the last of the last days. And God says, hey, I want to pour out my spirit upon you because the only way you're going to be walking victory, the only way you're going to be the head and not the tail, the only way you're going you're to be successful as a believer is to be filled to overflowing with the third person of the Godhead, the one whose first name is holy and his last name is spirit. Glory to God. 
In the last day, says God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's you, your sons, your grandsons, your granddaughters, your, your great-greats and great-great-greats and great-great-great-great-greats. Come on. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the starting point for every revival, for every great move of God, for every great awakening, for every renewal, because the Holy Spirit Romans 5 says, sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts, and it's the love of God. Folks, what if, what if we could have a mighty Holy Ghost revival in Minneapolis, all across Minnesota, all across Los Angeles and Chicago, in Tallahassee, Florida, where the Holy Ghost is shedding the love of God in people's hearts, and people are walking up and saying, please forgive me. What happened should never have happened. Please forgive me. And justice begins rolling like a mighty river. What if we could have a Holy Ghost revival in the Supreme Court? What if we could have a Holy Ghost revival in the Democratic and the Republican parties? What if we could have a Holy Ghost revival in Congress and in the White House and and, and, in the Senate? What if we could have a Holy Ghost revival in your house? Hallelujah. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. You know, every time I read that, I mean, I just get so excited. I, I think, man, 120 people in the upper room. They get baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. All these people gather, and then they get preached to. But who did they get preached to? Who preached this message? Sure, it was Peter. Now think with me for a minute. What was Peter doing just 40 days before this? I suggest to you that on Thursday night of Passion Week, Peter was with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the disciples were with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was praying, Lord, take this cup from me. Not my will, but thy will be done. He is crying out with great groans. He's in misery. Peter and James and John can't even stay awake and pray with Jesus. So here they are in this prayer meeting. These soldiers show up. Peter sees the soldiers and he grabs his sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. Dear ones, everybody look at me. He wasn't aiming for the ear. He was a bad swordsman. He was trying to cut off the guy's head. Jesus reaches down and picks that ear off the grass. And he reattaches it. And he heals it. He says, I am he. 
I am Jesus of Nazareth, and they all fall back. The next scene, Jesus is being tried in Caiaphas' home, who is the former high priest. It's cold. And Peter goes with John and gets into the courtyard of Caiaphas and they're trying to find out what's going to happen to Jesus and they're warming themselves by the fire and the young girl says, you're one of them. You are a follower of Jesus. I can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter begins cursing. I know not the man. And that happens not once, not twice, but three times. He curses. He denies Christ. And then he says, I'm going back fishing, guys. I'm going to leave this, 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 this preaching stuff, this going to church stuff, this living for, for the Lord stuff is not working for me. God didn't let Peter down. Peter let himself down. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They mess up and they blame it on God. They blame it on the preacher. They blame it on the church and they backslide. That's what Peter did. But thank God. Thank God for John chapter 21 where Jesus restores Peter to fellowship with God. And he says, Peter, God's got a plan for you. I want you to feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. It's not by accident that Peter's the one that stood that day and he preached because he got filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. God doesn't care where you've been. He's not mad about you, who you've been with. But he does say this, it's time to come to me. It's time to repent. It's time to get your hearts right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody talking, nobody moving around. Let me ask you this morning, if you were to die tonight, do you have the assurance in your heart that you would wake up in heaven? Do you know that you know that you know? Is the Holy Spirit bearing witness in your heart that you're a child of God? Are you walking in right relationship with the Lord? Are you walking in fellowship with Him? Or have you been doing some things that you really, you'd rather people don't know about? See, the problem with that is that God knows. He sees everything. And He's not mad at you this morning. He's mad about you. He loves you. Jesus stretches out His hands to you today and says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody talking, nobody moving. If you say, Terrell, I, I, just, I just want to get my heart right with Jesus today. I'm not going to call you forward. Nobody's going to know that you're, you're doing this except you and God and, and me. If I can see, these lights don't always let me see exactly who's all out here. But just lift your hand and, and, and leave it up until I see it. Okay, thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to get right with God today. Anybody else? Anybody else? It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. I can tell you, for a Christian believer... Dying is simply falling asleep in the arms of Jesus. I never dreamed that my dad would pass away in our home, but that's what happened in the month of April. 
It's good to know the Lord. He's just now getting started on what life is really all about. Hallelujah. In support of this one who's raised his hand, let's, let's all pray this prayer together aloud and loudly. Use your best voice. Say, Lord God, today I trust the shed blood, the shed blood of Jesus as the full payment for all my sin. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new on the inside. I say no to the devil. I say no to my flesh. And I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to the Holy Spirit. I say yes to the Word of God. I make Jesus Christ the King and Lord of my life. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. Help me to live for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says that there's rejoicing right now in heaven. The angels are rejoicing. There's more joy over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous. Hallelujah. This is Pentecost Sunday, and I want you just to close your eyes and lift your hands towards heaven. Just close your eyes, lift your hands towards heaven. And I want you to say, come fill me again, Holy Spirit. Come fill me again, Holy Spirit. Come baptize me afresh and anew, Holy Spirit. Come live inside me, Holy Spirit. Come make a difference, Holy Spirit. Oh, come fill me, Holy Spirit. Now begin to give Jesus glory. Come on, out loud, use your best voice. Come on, Lord, I give you glory and I give you praise. I give you glory and I give you praise. I magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I rejoice in you. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. Oh, Jesus, I worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, shana malayidi o komana shidi o komana siya. Oh, shana malayidi o komana siya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never prayed in other tongues, don't 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 think about tongues. Don't focus on tongues. Just love on Jesus. Just love on Jesus. It says, as they spoke, they were filled with the Holy Spirit as he gave them utterance. As they spoke, you've got to do the speaking. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to move your lips. You've got to move your tongue. You've got to give him glory. But don't think about me. Don't think about other people. Just think awesome about Jesus. message that we just heard from our pastor. If you responded to our uh, altar call today, we would love to be able to be get with you and pray for you and give you some more information. And one way we can do that is through our connection card and our prayer card. If you want to get connected, we would love for you to go to our website, evangelag.org slash connect. And we would love to be able to connect with you. Also, our prayer card is evangelag.org slash prayer. That way we can have a staff person be able to contact you and pray with you and even rejoice with you about a prayer request or a praise report. 
Now church, one thing that we have going on is we have groups going on and we have groups going out through all the summer. So we would love for you to be a part of those groups. And one way you can find out what groups are going on is going to our website, evangelag.org slash groups. And we would love for you to be able to contact our group leaders and be able to get connected to life here at Evangel. In church, we also have kids services that are being posted every Friday night at 5 o'clock on our Facebook page and our Kid Venture YouTube page. They're awesome services and they're really funny so the whole family will be able to enjoy. We also have something for middle and high school students. Our Thrive Student Ministries are meeting every Wednesday night at 6 40. They have an awesome worship band and awesome uh, teaching and also also they have small groups that meet in our Zoom call. If you want to be a part of that, just contact us at mail at evangelag.org and we would love to be able to give you some more information. Church, we love you and we appreciate all of you guys for watching this morning. We can't wait to see you next week. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.